Would you please turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. Last week we spoke about the subject, dark places. And um, I wish I could tell you that dark places are only for the disobedient, for the sinful, and for those who are far away from God. But it's not. Dark places is for each and every one of us. Um, And it's designed in such a way that it would show us Jesus. And um, as we spoke last week, we saw, even in the life of Jesus, that he had gone through several dark places within his life. And he was the spotless son of God who had never sinned and um, who followed his father obediently from the beginning until the very, very day when he died upon the cross. He had perfect fellowship with his father and yet he had times in his life that was dark. And we saw how Jesus dealt with those times. And every single one of us will experience that within our lives. And we have. And the sad thing is oftentimes we don't recognize that extra person in the fire that we sang about this morning. Jesus is there. He is very present at times. David of whom we're going to be speaking about this morning, said to God, where shall I run from your presence? He says, if I go into the pit, you're there. If I go into the mountains, you're there. You are everywhere. And I'm so deeply thankful that, uh, Keith, you guys are here too. All the way. Hey, we've got all of the people from the UK here. I don't know whether you are moving back to Switzerland, which is probably not a bad idea at the moment. But it's great to see Keith and Liz as well. But all of us step into those dark places within our lives. As Jesus did. And we'll see that David experienced it as well. So we looked at that last week. And I want to continue with the theme, dark places. But I want to speak about um, what happens and what we should do when we experience those setbacks within our lives. And when a setback happens within our lives, it's pretty sudden. It is unexpected, and it's also overwhelming. And as a pastor, I'm not immune to it. I go through it probably more than what um, some of us acknowledge as pastors. I know that you go through it often because you open up your lives to us, and it's such a privilege. And we see here, again, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, that David, together with his men, together with their families, experience a setback. The context of 1 Samuel chapter 30 is that, again, David is running away from Saul, the man that he revered as a leader, a man that he looked up and yet 
time and time again, Saul would ambush David because he was threatened by him. And so we see that David and his men had left Paul, uh, Saul and his armies and they're running from him. And in some strange way, David links up with the Philistines. His enemy, but he becomes friend with the leader of the Philistinian army, Achish. And their friendship grows, and when you read chapter 29, you'll just find out what an outstanding person David is. A man of integrity. He had such a great reputation with both friend and foe. And we see here that in chapter 29, that as the Philistines are going to be fighting against the Amalekites and also against Saul, we see here that David wants to fight with his new friend, be a part of the Philistinian army. But the other officers within the Philistinian army comes to Achish and says, this man is not going to fight with us. He's going to turn on us and um, we should be wary of him. And Achish says, no, I've seen that this man is such a man of integrity. He's become our friend. I back him. And they said, we don't. And so he turns to David and says to David, David, take your men and you need to leave. And so in chapter 30, we read and we find out what happens here. And so if you could read with me in 1 Samuel chapter 30, and we're going to read verses 1 to 6. And this is what the scripture says, God's word. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and the Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. Verse 3. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinam and Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, and Carmel, David was greatly distressed because the men were take, talking of stoning him, his own men. Let me read this again. Because the men, and I'm going to add, his own men, David's friends, David's colleagues, the men that he had fought for, with, were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. What an intense passage of scripture. What a setback for David and his men. They did not expect that this would happen that their wives 
their sons and their daughters would be taken captive by the Amalekites. But they did. They didn't expect to get to the place and to see that they weren't there. They heard that they weren't killed. So there was such deep apprehension within their lives. And the Bible tells us that David and the men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. The Bible also tells us that the men started turning on David because they became bitter within their spirit. And of course, David had to look to God to find strength. There are parallels that we see. When we look at the account last week, when we talked about Jesus, in Jesus' hour, maybe one of his darkest hours, he took his three trusted friends with him because Jesus believed in community. But his community, as it were, turned on him. They fell asleep when they needed to support him. They weren't there. And there's some similarities here. My friends, when we encounter dark places within our lives, the unexpected will always happen. Because the dark place is a place where we are unable to see what's going to happen next. And we need the one who is the light to be there with us. And my friends, he is always there with us. But we find out that David finds himself in this position in 1 Samuel 30. And we encounter a situation where he experienced this setback within his life. There is no greater disappointment than having your friends turn on you. No greater disappointment. And we see that this is happening to David. What setbacks have you experienced over this past week? Maybe over the past month. I probably could categorize the setbacks in numerous ways that I've seen within your lives and even my own. And those setbacks pushes us back. But the most beautiful thing in God is that even though we take a step back when these things happen, so it may seem, God propels our faith forward in him. And as we sang that beautiful song today, we get to know him in a much deeper, deeper way. For some of you, when you experience the setback, the anxiety is so huge that it overcomes you. For David, he got to a place where he was overwhelmed by the circumstances and we have seen David retreat into caves when this happens. We've experienced the Psalms that writes about David's experiences where he weeps before the Lord, where he feels that people have turned against him and he cries out and he says, but God... I have found you in this place. And so when we read his story here in 1 Samuel chapter 13, 
we have to realize that this man knows what it means to experience setbacks. David knows all about the dark places that he enters into. And at times when you read the Psalms, you'll find out that David was in places of deep depression within his life. Sometimes because of his own sin. Sometimes because of just life. My friends, life is not always fair. It's the first lesson that we need to teach our children, that life just is not always fair. And I think we sometimes bring our children up in such a way where we give them the false hope that life is always fair, that if you do this, then that will happen. How many of you know that that's not true? And we see here again, David wanted to do the right thing. He wanted to fight with the Philistines. He wanted to honor the leader of the Philistinian army. But this man who trusted him, he just said, because of my men, you've got to leave. He leaves and then they encounter this horrible situation where they didn't really know what was happening to their wives and children because of the Amalekites. I don't think that there is a darker moment within any of our lives when we are uncertain about what's happening to our loved ones. It is so tough. And yet we experience it. My friends, what I've learned as I've looked at this passage of scripture is that um, we're totally human as people. David is totally human as a godly man. Well, the Bible says of David that he is a man after God's own heart, and yet he experienced these trials. When we experience setbacks within our lives, when we're in a dark place, we need to recognize that God has given us emotions. It has given us feelings. And these emotions and feelings can be a healing within our lives. And so I want you to recognize, firstly, that there is such healing power within our emotional responses when we have a setback or when we find ourselves in a dark place. My parents' generation, certainly the men, lived by the phrase, cowboys, can you repeat the phrase? Oh, that has created such heartache for generations after generations after generations, because what our parents were saying to us was that emotions really is not important. Cowboys don't cry. We had supper with Yaku and them last night and we were sitting around the table and talking, sharing our hearts with each other. And Jen spoke about how her and I met. And as we sat there, uh, there was a tear that just spontaneously um, just ran down my face there. And I felt quite overwhelmed because for me, 
it was a wonderful act of God's grace for me to meet my lovely wife. And I was overcome, and Yaku and I sat there, we talked, and um, at one moment, Yaku said to me, but Peter, I cry as well often. And I said to him, you know what? God loves it when we live as emotional beings. God created us with emotions because there is a healing medicine within our emotions. And I want you to know as a church today that when we are in a dark place, when we experience setbacks and we close our emotions to the reality of life, my friends, the healing cannot take place. As a matter of fact, what happens is that you retard what God wants to do within your lives. Emotions are spiritual. Emotions are spiritual. God gave them to us. And when we bottle them up, my friends, we do more damage than good. I want you to see just what David did here. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 4, it says, David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep anymore. They didn't go into the mountains all by themselves and wept. No, they just got together and they wept aloud. These men became some of the mighty men of God. But they wept aloud. I think sometimes, for those of you who are married, we need to weep with our spouse at times. I think... Christo, we need to include a section within the marriage course on how to weep together with our spouse. Such healing involved. There's such vulnerability when that happens. David wept aloud until he had no strength in his men to weep anymore. Church, we need to change this perception that cowboys and cowgirls don't cry. Any spouse who pushes his wife away when they reveal their emotions is no spouse at all. A lot of growth needs to take place there. If a wife pushes her husband away because he shows his emotional feelings, a lot of understanding and growth needs to happen within our lives, within this area. I love this confession of Andreas and Esther. He played for Barcelona football side for 22 years. He says, when I was struggling with depression, my most enjoyable part of the day was when I took my pill and went to sleep at night. You lose your joy from life, from everything. I hugged my wife, but I felt like hugging a pillow. He says, you feel nothing. 
part of the healing process within our lives when we find ourselves in this place is for God again to help us to become totally human. If the devil can shut off our emotions to each other, then he's already gaining a victory. He's a master at it. I think, just when I look at my own life, and it's a privilege to know Christ from a very young age, to have loving parents and a loving sister, just some amazing friends are around me. And I wish I could say to you that I never had setbacks within my life. I've had many setbacks within my life. And as I said last year, sometimes some of the setbacks within my life lasted for a year, maybe two years. And during those times of hardship, my emotions became very, very hard. You no longer want to trust people. I said last week that when you get wounded in community, you don't get healed outside of community. You've got to step back into community. And that's where you find your healing. But I started to realize that within my life, I started to live again when my emotions became real again. You would say, Pat Pitt, when you are an emotional being like all of us are, do you not risk getting hurt again? Oh, well, absolutely. But it's only, life is only really worth living if you live in a place where you are willing to be hurt again. I think, as a pastor, I think it's been almost 38 years now that I've been a pastor. And at times you get hurt within the church. And I've heard so many pastors just saying that they stopped being a pastor because of the hurts that they experienced. And you know what? My love for Jesus is at its optimal level when I allow myself to be vulnerable and to be hurt. Amazing thing. It's a lesson that I learned. And the reason why Jen and I are still doing what we are doing is because we choose to live in the midst of community with the people that we are. You've heard the phrase, Pastors are very, very lonely people. I can tell you this much, I'm not very lonely. Surrounded by amazing people, and yes, sometimes I do get hurt. And sometimes I hurt people within the church. But my friends, within community, when we become vulnerable, Jesus uses it to heal us. And Esther goes on and he writes about his depression and he says he still, weekly, after years, needs to get help. And uh, he says he's seeing therapists so that he can get personal healing and come to terms with himself. Now that's good, but there is a better way. As I said last week, we see therapists take medication, we 
to get all of the human help that we need. But it's only Jesus at the end of the day who could put our emotions back together again. Because the Bible says that it is he who is able to, uh, to sympathize with us. Because he himself has been tempted and affected in those ways, yet without sin. He's the one who could bring us together again. I wonder, congregation, this morning, whether you would agree with me that all of the horizontal helps are wonderful, but you actually need to go to Jesus. Amen? You see, I'm vulnerable with Jen. But in those moments, there is a healing. But I cannot just solely depend upon Jen to help me to heal. Agreed? I have to look up to Jesus. And when I do that, there is a healing that takes place that is so helpful. My friends, I love this passage of Scripture because a man of whom God said, he's a man after my own heart, wept bitterly. I think we need to acknowledge our emotions, whether they are good or bad. We need to express our emotions carefully because we don't want to hurt other people, do we? But we've got to express our emotions carefully and wisely. And we've got to guard our hearts. Be careful who you open up your emotions to because there are some people you shouldn't and there are some you should. Would you agree with me? Be careful who you entrust your heart to. One of my failings is that I'll entrust my heart to other people too quickly. That's one of my failings. And I have to learn to control my emotions in that way. It's an incredible strength on the one hand but it's also one of my weaknesses. I was reading up on a definition of emotions, and I love this. This is what this writer writes. I went on to Google. Emotions are mental states brought on by neuro neurophysiological changes, variously associated with thoughts, feelings, behavioral responses, and a degree of pleasure and displeasure. Then the scientist says, there is currently no scientific consensus on a definition for emotions. Emotions are often intertwined with mood, temperament, personality, disposition, or creativity. The online interactive tool breaks down emotions into five categories. Anger, fear, sadness, disgust, and enjoyment. I concluded that emotions are truly complex. And as a result, so are you and me. <laughs> so my friends, let's be very careful how we deal with each other's emotions. 
when you touch someone's deepest emotion, treat it with the utmost care. Because out of the heart, David says, flows the issues of life. Handle with care your spouse's emotions. Key word is handle with care. But they're incredibly important. Ecclesiastes 3, 4 says, it's a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. And my friends, within the safety of the New Testament covenant that Jesus saved us into, which is so sealed, and within the covenant of brotherly and sisterly relationships, we should be able to come to each other and to entrust that very precious and sensitive part of our lives with each other wisely. So when we have a setback within our lives, recognize the healing power of emotional release. Sometimes the most important thing is to cry. When it's a time to cry, cry. Don't deny the reality of your emotions. Deal with them. Secondly, when we experience a setback within our lives, when we face disappointments and even dark places within our lives, it would serve us well to remember who the enemy is. Samuel chapter 30 verse 6 says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of their sons and daughters. <laughs> Don't you just feel for David? Have you ever felt that people were turning on you? Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 to 12 says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. When we have these setbacks within our lives, when we are in a dark place, We need to know that as real as God is being that extra person within the fire with us, the devil is also there to gain from every advantage he can take. My friends, the devil, as scripture says in the New Testament, says 
that he is alive. He's not that well because he suffered a massive defeat when Jesus made a public spectacle, disarming him, but yet he has such power to deceive. The prime weapon of the enemy is deception. And when we enter these places where it is dark, experience setbacks, the enemy will come and he'll throw, as it were in baseball terms, that curveball. In cricket terms for the Commonwealth countries, the devil will throw you the googly. He's a master at it. You find yourself in that place. Remember who the enemy is. When we forget who the enemy is, as the scripture says here with David's men, bitterness will set in. And bitterness blinds us to who our friends really are. You and I need to be good friends of each other. The moment we see a root of bitterness set into our hearts. We need to help each other not to respond to that bitterness because the moment it takes root, we lose our perspective on life. And the people whom God has put around us to be our friends, we will see them as our enemies. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 to 15 says, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile man. Would you stand with me and say that We're so close when we're offended to allow bitterness to take root. Are you a candidate for bitterness? Of course you are. And so am I when we recognize it. That is when we'll actually deal with it. Bitterness is a tool in the hand of the enemy to separate us from our support system. And we see here within David's life, as his men turn on him, their support was being cut off from David. David was their friend, but they didn't see it. And because of what happened was they blamed him. My friends, when we're in a dark place, when we experience a setback, the automatic response from our side is always to project blame to someone else. Amen. I think that is this, the auto um, set that all of us have is we want to blame someone else. They started to blame David. Bitterness is a terrible sin. Bitterness is a terrible disease. When it takes root, my friends, it takes years for that root of bitterness 
to be uprooted and for us to live again. It is gospel truth. God has spoken to some of you for a long time now about the root of bitterness within your life. God today would speak to us again and say, deal with it. Because whatever you see when you're in that place of bitterness is the truth. And God wants us to see clearly. And then, how did David respond in this place? Let's look at what 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 6 says. David was greatly distressed because the men, sorry, can we look at verse 6.3? And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his son and for his daughter. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. My friends, there are times when our spouses cannot encourage us. There are times when our friends cannot encourage us. We've got to encourage ourselves in the Lord. I always feel that I'm a whole lot better when I share my heart with someone close. But even that sometimes doesn't work. I think it takes us along the way. But God has designed it that way, that no person becomes our crutch to lean on, except Jesus. And there needs to be a resounding amen on that. When you study the life of David here, from beginning to end, you'll find out that systematically, through the experiences within his life, you see David was the golden boy of the Old Testament, almost like like Joseph. He's the golden boy. Came to prominence at a young age. Spoken wonderful prophecies over his life. That the future kingdom is depicted on, on who he is. He's a type of Christ. He's a type of the kingdom. He's the type of the leader that Christ would be. And he would reign forever. And so we see that David, an incredible human being, and there was incredible failure within his life. Deep sin, but came back to God time after time after time. But when you study his life, you will see that systematically, God removed crutches within his life. Good people, needful people, but God never allowed him to look at those people as a substitute for God. Deeply grateful for Jenny. The last three weeks that she's been away, what I have missed the most is that oftentimes I would come home or we're here in the church and we're looking at making a decision and I just say to Jenny, you know, this is what's happening and then I get her perspective and that's wonderful. And I do that often. And so over the last three weeks, um, Poor Adam, no wonder he needs to go to Scotland this coming week to get away from me. Because I shared a number of things with him and then when Ken come, I share with him. And so I share a lot with others. 
about the church, even about myself. Be vulnerable, be open. And, um, but what I've learned is that Jenny cannot be a crutch in my life for God. And so when you look at David's life, God took his position away. So his position wouldn't be the thing that he would rely on, his job. My friends, some of you, your job is your crutch that you lean on too heavily. David was in that position. You've got to look to God. Got to look to God. The very thing that you lean on is the very thing that will eventually crush you. God took that crutch away from him. Through a series of events, relationships that was dear to him, he lost. They became a crutch. And so I can go on and on and on. But the one thing that David learned here is that he looked to God and he found strength in his God. You see, my friends, we have the power to choose whether we will be bitter because of what life has brought to us or whether we will be better. We have the choice. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 1 says that God has given us what? Everything in life to be godly. Everything. He's given us everything. We have the ability to choose whether we will be bitter or whether we will be better. God has given us faith in him. And we need to step towards him. You see, my friends, encouragement comes when we make the right decisions. My friends, you could spend a hundred hours in prayer and Bible study. But make the wrong decisions in life. And your life will be a painful life. I want you to know that. Are you against prayer? Are you against Bible study? Absolutely not. But out of that, God wants to teach us still to make good decisions. I think half of the problems that I deal with in church life is as a result of bad decisions. And it doesn't matter whether you are an intellectual giant or whether you are natural like me. I have seen when intellectual giants make poor decisions, much sorrow comes upon us. Church, we need to start making better decisions. That's godly and that is spiritual. God's word will make us wise to do it. I see some of the simplest minds around when they follow God's word, They live in less sorrow than some of the most smartest people that I know. Why does things go wrong within your life? My friends, sometimes it's got nothing to do with the devil. It's got everything to do with you and the decisions that you constantly make that are poor. My friends, encouragement comes when we make the right decisions. Get wisdom from God's word. 
And then lastly, encouragement comes when we shift our focus off of our bitterness, off of our failure, off of the dark place, and we refocus on Jesus. David encouraged himself in the Lord. This is the greatest wisdom that I can share with you ever. Become excellent in the art to encourage yourself in the Lord. Work at it. That requires you to listen to people. It requires you to be in community. All of those good things. But when we start to learn how to encourage ourselves in the Lord, we will encourage others in the Lord. The dark place that you are in today, the setback that you've experienced, make sure that you recognize the healing power of your emotions. Let it be your friend. Make sure that you remember who the enemy is. And then thirdly, encourage yourself in the Lord.